Hello everyone and welcome to the News Today FC Podcast. I'm Josh Taylor and on today's episode we have another guest as the NISA Commissioner John Pruch joins the show. Commissioner Pruch discusses with us the state of the National Independent Soccer Association and gives insight on what challenges the league has had to endure to get through the 2023 NISA season. We also discuss the league's plans for the 2024 season and beyond, and we discuss the 2023 NISA playoffs and championship final on Saturday in Michigan and more. So stay tuned, guys. We got another solid interview coming up right now with the NISA commissioner, John Pruch. Here we go. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to the NISA Today FC podcast. And joining us today on the show is the National Independent Soccer Association Commissioner, John Pruch. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Josh. I'm, I'm happy to be on it. John, what is, uh, how are you feeling right now? You know, we got the big championship game in a couple of days. So, yeah. what are your thoughts on how the playoffs in NISA have been going so far? So I'm actually in Michigan as we're getting ready uh, for the big day. And um, uh, I think uh, um, I wouldn't be understating this by saying it was a big surprise where where we ended up here. Um, I I think uh, everybody knew that the stars were good. Um, And, um, you know, Flower City struggled a bit during the year, especially early on. Um, You know, they got the last seed in the playoffs and it just goes to show you that um, in, in some cases, all you have to do is make the playoffs and get hot. And they have gotten hot. That upset against L.A. was remarkable. And then going into Chattanooga's house and, and uh, beating them on penalties was uh, pretty impressive. Um, uh, their, their goalkeeper really, really had a, an amazing game. So I'm looking forward to the game. Uh, I think uh, we're supposed to have some decent weather for it. Won't be too cold. Um, and so, and, and I think it's going to be a decent crowd. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, no predictions. Uh, I'm really happy for both clubs to be here. Uh, both of them deserve it. And so we'll, we'll see how it ends up. Yeah, John, looking forward to this matchup as well. As you probably know, I will be there on Saturday to cover it all my podcast. And uh, I know you'll have other outlets there covering as well. So we're back in Michigan again for another a second seventy year, and as you know, I mean, I know you you live you're from Michigan, but like it's been crazy. You know, we had Detroit City a couple years ago in the league, and they had their run back to back championships in Michigan, and and then now the Michigan Stars, you know, they won a title last year, and now they're back in the final this year with a chance to repeat. So I don't know what's been going on in Michigan. I don't know what's what's up, baby. You're there, maybe you could tell me, but. Wow, it's a really good time for the Great Lakes Day, huh? Uh, it really is. I, I, I think in both cases, um, they're well coached. You know, both Detroit City and and um, and the Stars. I, I think they um, built their program right. They they built a core. Both clubs did that matched the coaching style, and then they added to that. And so when new clubs come into 
to to the league. They, you know, really haven't quite figured this all out yet. Even if they're amateur clubs and playing at a higher level, it's 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 a different game here. And so it takes uh, clubs a year or two to figure it out. And um, and I think both of those clubs are great examples of how to do it. Now, John, we know Osweenisa. We've had you know great success with some of the clubs that have done very well. Chattanooga, you know, LA Force getting back to the playoffs, even though it didn't go the way they wanted. Flower City Union, great story. Cinderella story, shocking the world. And, of course, the Michigan Stars going to get another, trying to go for another second straight title. But, obviously, with Nisa, there's been challenges. Now, I recall last year in the championship when the Stars played in that game against Albion San Diego, you had talked about the challenges of the league at Deer last season and the lack of stability and all that kind of stuff. But you stated at that time that stability is coming. So, John, here we are a year later from that day. Uh, is stability here yet, or is it still a work in progress for the league? Yeah, I think in some ways, Josh, it's still a, a work in progress. I think, you know, I had this conversation recently um, with um, uh, commissioner of another league, and and it is it takes time. Right. I mean, we're going to we just finished our finishing our fourth, fourth full year Two of those years were during the pandemic. <clears throat> and so it is it is tough. One of the things that happens is um, that we underestimate, I think, sometimes is how difficult it is to make the jump right from scratch or from a, uh, a good amateur club to to the next level. And every year, it seems like. Um, some of our instability, if you will, comes from clubs that are new to the league. I mean, if you look at the three clubs that came in this year, um, they were very unsettled. Um, and, and it doesn't, and it really isn't about money necessarily, um, or whether or not the owners have money, it is a different game for them. Um, owners come into this, if it's the first time they really owned a sports team, it, it is different from anything that they've ever done. And so you, it requires a lot of patience. Um, I like to say it's not about the size of the, of the pocketbook, but it's about the will to survive. And so each year, you look at Flower City last year, I, I look at how they struggled, right? And, and I think, you know, this going into the season, when we took those two clubs and kind of united them, Syracuse and, and Flower City, it helped them get stronger. At some point, they will become two clubs again, right? And they'll be stronger at the end of the day. I think uh, last year we had, you know, um, uh, some issues like, like at um, Valley with fraud. And so the league had to make a decision to shut the, the club down. Um, I, I think, you know, without getting ahead of myself too much, you'll see that that club's coming back next year. Um, and so I think it's, and then we had Bay Cities, which was hugely disappointing, right? Where we ended up with an owner that just walked away uh, mid-season. And so this year was different. Uh, this year, uh, everybody had the attitude that they're getting through this. Uh, they're going to do it the right way. And, but we had issues, right? I think um, you know, I, I think one of, there are a couple issues that stand out in my head. Um, and there, and a lot of it is just not being ready, you know, from a capital perspective or whatever it might be. 
Um, we had uh, this year, because we only had two clubs on the West, we couldn't play, you know, a regional conference game, right? So we had clubs flying back and forth across the country every week. And uh, as you know, um, the cost of travel has just gotten ridiculous. And so, and I think it's, it's, it's a couple of our clubs weren't really ready for that. And, um, you know, and I, I, I think it's unfortunate. Un- unfortunate that one of our clubs um, has taken a lot of heat, um, and and I don't want to get in- into the necessarily the details uh, around that situation with Club De Leon, but it, a lot of that was outside of the owner's control, um, and, and and we've been patient and working with him, and I, and I think he's going to end up being a good owner. I think the challenges that he faced uh, were unique to him. And as a, and as a result, uh, affected us as, at the league, right? And some of the stuff that was said about him was unfortunate and not true. Uh, some of it, you know, like I like to say, there's there's a lot of smoke, but there is some fire. Most of it was smoke; it was nothing. But there was some fire there, and we're in the process of working with him to fix those issues. Um, the referee situation is a direct reflection of that. Um, we are not um, uh, a legal office that brings in millions of dollars in franchise fees to support this league operation. We really rely heavily on our clubs, and and sometimes it can it, it can it can uh, can challenge us. And that's what happened with the, the referee situation. We were uh, uh, we slow pay. Um, let me back up. A year ago, when it happened, it was partially our fault, partially the system's fault. We decided to, uh, this year, to go to a different system. We created our own system for referees. And it, for the most part, it's gone extremely well. But as we all know, we had a period of time where it got slow. Uh, that has since been you know, broad current, but it, it doesn't help the situation, right? And, and so um, I will tell you that we do everything we can to make sure that that doesn't happen. Sometimes things get outside of our control. Um, and so, uh, unfortunately, it did happen. Um, I think we have um, a lot of referees and the signers that believe in what we're doing. And so um, we've been, uh, they've been very gracious with us and patient with us. And so, um, you know, uh, hopefully we can get through next season without a, <laughs> a similar incident. And I think we will. Uh, I think you'll see as we announce, make these announcements for 24, that uh, things will be hopefully a little bit more stabilized relative to, you know, the cost structure for our clubs. Yes, John, I think you kind of summed up a lot of the issues there that we just discussed before we went recording on some of those issues. And I know with clubs they own, I know you, you mentioned you can't talk too probably too much about it, but we saw so many rumors about. You know, because they hadn't played in two months, were they coming back, or is the league subsidizing them to travel and finish all the games and all this stuff? So, uh, Johnson, I got you on here. Uh, can you set the record straight for us? Like, kind of just, uh, just kind of talk a bit briefly about what happened with the whole situation, and at least and helping clubs they own at least finish the season. Yeah, I think I think, um, and again, I don't want to get too deep into this, but I'll give you an example of, of things that were uh, said about uh, the club uh, that weren't true. Right? 
Um, he's, he, he, his players have two separate contracts, one that goes to U.S. soccer and one that he, he and the player acknowledge. Well, that's completely false. Um, what ended up happening when he first signed his players, he was signing them to contracts that were not allowed in this country. He's from Argentina, and but those contracts are allowed in Argentina. And so the, the type of pay structure. And so what we did is we went back and said, okay, you have to redo your contracts. And so he did. Those were canceled and new ones were put in place. But the world misconstrued it, right, and, 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 and jumped all over it. And so, and, and it is unfortunate. I will tell you that Fabian is, um, is an individual that is determined to right the ship. Um, and, and I think he proved that by finishing out the season, even though it wasn't easy for him, uh, to finish out the season. So I think, I, I think he'll come back stronger next year. I have faith in what he's trying to get done. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that he'll, you know, he will learn from the mistakes he's made this year and, uh, and move forward. Now let's talk about Gold Star FC just for a bit, cause I know that was another club that had some challenges this year, had a stadium plan, it fell through, and then yep. their ownership, there are rumors about their financial situation, don't know all about that. And But I just want to get your thoughts on just what Gold Star FC had endured, and are, are you feel confident that that despite all the challenges had on and off the field, especially with the players, a lot of their players going in the middle of the season, that they can come back better next year? Yeah, so uh, Josh, um, Gold Star is um, a unique, uh, not unique, but a, a situation where the um, ownership is, is um, um, very deep. And um, it, it turned out not to be what he thought it was going to be, right? And so uh, we made, we decided uh, between us, uh, the owner and myself, that um, he would, you know, finish off the season. He wasn't going to build the stadium. Um, but the plans are still there. Everything's still there for if the next owner wants to do that. And, um, and, and we have brought in a, um, a new owner for the club for next year. So I think it's, it's, um, uh, Alex Lubiansky who runs that club is a great guy and he's been through a lot this year. Um, again, it was nothing that he could have or I could have foreseen, um, but um, he and us at the league, uh, along with his owner, uh, were managed our way through the process and got through it. Um, and it didn't turn out on the pitch as well as Alex had, had hoped. I think he really thought he was building a, a championship caliber club, um, but things got in the way. And so, um, but we're, Hey, uh, Gold Star will be back next year uh, under uh, uh, new ownership. All right, John, let's talk about Chattanooga FC, the yeah. team that dominated NISA throughout the season. I know the season didn't end it the way they wanted, but still, you know, they won the League Cup, yeah. won the uh, NISA Independent Cup Southeast Region once again. They've been a good model club during your time in NISA. Now, I know there's been rumors about where they could go next, and I know the club posted an announcement on social media a couple of days ago that they will announce their plans for the future of the club next uh, next week. So we'll have to wait till then. But if this is the final you know, season for Chattanooga FC, can you just 
talk about really talk about the legacy that this club will leave behind in Nisa and how they've been a good model club for the past four seasons. So um, I, I, I really like Chattanooga a lot. And, and I'm not going to talk about the future because that's not my story to tell. They'll tell their story. Um, but if I look back on Chattanooga, uh, there are many things that I remember, right? I remember dealing with uh, the pandemic and having a, a, um, a tournament, a bubble tournament down there. And they were fantastic hosts. It was a, it's a great city. I love the city. Um, I love them as a club. And I do wish uh, Davis, who is the primary owner now, and a great young man, um, all the success in the future, um, and, as well as Rod and, and Alton. Uh, I will tell you, Rod has a special place in my heart. I mean, when we ended up having as a league to take over Stumptown, I looked around and interviewed a bunch of people about who could be a coach, and he is the guy. He 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 stood out, and uh, Rod and I have a, um, a pretty special relationship as a result of that. That was those we went through some difficult times there, and I wish him all the best wherever he ends up. And um, I assume that he's going to stay with Chattanooga for a long time because he loves the city. But um, I'll uh, but Rod's a very special individual. Now, John, just talk about 2024. I know mm. people have talked about, you know, have questions about, well, if this team leads or this team leads, whatever, you know, Nisa every offseason seems to go through a, a merry-go-round of who's coming, who's going. So, and I know when the um, Professional Soccer Referee Association, they made your state a couple months ago, and you, you talked about the issues there, but I also talked about U.S. soccer kind of reviewing your sanctions and stuff for 2024. And I know this past offseason, you had a couple of clubs that had to go through the audits just to make sure that you know they were good to go for this season. So I'm not sure about what you could talk about that, but you feel confident that um, despite all the stuff going that we've talked we've heard about over the social media stuff that you know Nisa will be back you know stronger and better than ever the next year. So so I guess um, you know I think there's a lot of stuff out there that's you know kind of you know half truths or not truths, right? Um, and none of our clubs had to go through audits. What we did do is our, our ownership groups had to go through a process with BDO. And, um, and it was all of our clubs. And we volunteered to do it, to demonstrate that, that our, our owners were of the quality that they needed to be. So I think it's, and, and the rumors about, you know, NISA going away or losing its sanctioning or whatever it might be, um, I think sells is the old expression sells newspapers, but it, 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 behind the scenes, we're in, in pretty good shape with us soccer, right? Is MLS and USL in better shape? Oh, obviously. But I, I do think that at the highest levels inside of those, um, that building at us soccer, there's respect for what we're building and there's that they understand the need for an independent league of independent clubs in this country. So I'm, 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 I believe that um, we're in, in, in good shape. I think they love the direction we're headed. I think they're very aware of our plans for 24 and are excited about those plans. And so, and we're working together on, on um, a special project uh, together. So I really, you know, those, those rumors um, hurt our existing clubs. They, they hurt uh, potential new clubs coming in. 
and it's unfortunate. But you know, when um, uh, I guess people feel a need to uh, to say what they say, I guess. But I, I'm I'm pretty confident that we're in good shape. Now, John, let's talk about you know Savannah Clovers. There are the I don't want to forget about them. We talked about Clothing Hunt Gold Star FC. The Savannah Clovers, you know, they struggled obviously their first year, but off the field, they've done a lot of good stuff in the community. You know, getting their brand out there in Savannah after taking a year off last year, not playing. And I've talked to Brian Sykes. He was very passionate about the project and getting things going in Savannah. And, you know, despite the tough season, you know, they finished the season strong and, you know, the fans, they got some good fan support. So just talk a bit about Savannah Clovers. You know, I, I, I think uh, um, Brian's a great guy. I, I, what he's been able to do in Savannah is amazing. And Jeff Defoe has been there for, for a couple of years with him. They're good friends. I like Jeff a lot. And I think what they've built there, the foundation of what they built there, um, is going to make that a special club for a long time. Um, I think it's, it's, you know, we'll see what their next step looks like. Um, and, you know, I'm excited to see what happens next. I think they have are building a base that could be very significant. Uh, down there, there. I, I love the market itself. I love markets that size, like Rochester or Syracuse or Maryland or you know Savannah. I think it, those markets are really good for us, and um, so I'm 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 excited to see where they take this in the next year. By the way, they finished the year not so bad on the pitch, right? They had a big win there towards the end of the year. Yeah, getting that win against Chattanooga, and yeah. you know. Come and in the close game against Club Leon, yeah. So they 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 finished strong after they got their period. I think they lost an eight nine ten, something crazy like that. But they stand yeah. that streak and you know David Proctor. I didn't get a chance to talk to him this year. Hopefully we'll get a chance at some point. But from what Brian's been telling me about him, everything like they're with the recruiting base of guys in Savannah, they'll and definitely improve next year. So who knows? I'm not I'm not trying to jump the gun, but hey. We talked about Fox and you and the struggle they had. Hey, Savannah Clovers, look out. Maybe maybe they might make the playoffs make a run next year. And maybe maybe they could be next year's Flower City, huh? Yeah, yeah. All right, John, just want to ask you a bit about, you know, you're obviously Nisa in a Division three level. We know there's two other D3 leagues in there, MLS Next Pro and USL League One. So I was just curious, with the ever-changing landscape in men's soccer, I know women's soccer is changing too, but we'll talk about that in a, a bit. But uh, with the U.S. soccer period always, you know, changing, uh, I was curious, like, what has been the league's recruiting strategy um, to try to recruit new ownership, you know, investors, sponsorship, all that stuff to the league? Yeah, I think I think um, we we've over the last twelve months have made it uh, a concerted effort uh, to to go after markets that we think would be good NISA markets, right? And Savannah being a great example, I think, right? And I think those markets are underserved. MLS, uh, the, the big MLS, you know, they, they're dominant in, in the major markets, right? And, and when they decide to move into a market, we can, we, we can see what happens, right? You look at San Diego and what happened to the loyal. And, um, and so USL, I think, is... And, the other strategy that we decided to deploy was to build regions. Um, you know, this year we've had to travel a lot and, and it, it's, uh, it's unfortunate. It takes its toll on the players, takes its toll on, on finances for the clubs. And so I think you're going to see us having more regional focus, right? 
so that um, we don't necessarily have to play a national schedule all the time. And I think that that will help us. And the other side of recruiting is it's just a matter of, um, you know, with owners, it's trying to find uh, the right guys. And you kind of alluded to this earlier that it's not about how wealthy a person is or how deep their pockets is. Are. It, it, it truly is, Josh, about um, them having the patience to get through three to five years and do a slow build because this is not something where you're going to you open the doors and you're going to have five or six, 7,000 people in the gate, right? doesn't happen. It takes time. And so I think it's, it's, it's something that we are looking for people that are try, want to be more patient. Then on top of that, the other recruiting thing that we're doing is you're, you're going to see um, more uh, Savannah's, right, um, or Maryland's. I think Maryland is, is going to end up being a very good um, uh, long-term example of how to do this. They built their base through the amateur ranks and then decided to go pro. Even look at them the first year in the, in the pro ranks. They struggled that, even though they won the – yeah, UPSL championship, national championship. So I think it's, but if if you if you can find, and this is the difficult part, if you can take a, a amateur club that's been around and had success, and marry them with an investor, because you know, as you know, U.S. soccer requires, you know, a community can't own it, a foundation can't own a club. It has to be an individual that has a certain net worth. And so sometimes trying to find that marriage of the personality of the culture of the club with the, the guy with the money that's coming in can be difficult. And, but that's, that's part of what we try to do. We try to look for people that understand that they're entering into a culture that's already existing. And so it's a, it's a challenge, uh, but it's one that we accept. How is the league improving the vetting process for new expansion clubs interested in joining the league? Yeah, it's a, it's kind of, you know, what I was just mentioning, right? And just trying to, to marry those things up. I think, you know, you will see um, that there will be in the future, there will be some startup clubs uh, still coming in, right, from time to time. It, it um, if you will, like a, a gold star, right? It, 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 it's, a, it's, it's tough, right? Um, but you will see that, and especially in certain markets where we want to be, right, regionally where we want to be. Um, but I think you're going to find that more of the clubs are those amateur clubs where we're marrying an investor, and then they're coming in. We believe that we, we have a shot at those clubs having more success in that first two years. If you get over the first two years, you, you have a really good shot of and you're doing it right, and you're building it right, you have a really good shot of making it a long-term play. Speaking of expansion, John, are there any updates that you can talk about with the status of Irvine Zeta FC, Strikers FC? And I know you alluded a little bit about Arizona Monsoon FC status. As Those are the three clubs that we heard about that applied to be uh, new expansion clubs for the 2024 season. Yeah, um, I, I would say, you know, Zeta is... is uh, pretty well down the road on, on, uh, getting ready. Um, you know, they've been playing in UPSL, although that club that's in UPSLs, they, they believe that they're probably going to have to upgrade, you know, some of the slots, some of the, some of the team, but they'll be ready. 
uh, they'll be ready. I think, and in, in for the culture that they have, they're in a great market. I think um, strikers, um, I think, will end up being very similar to the old strikers, right? I, I think it's different ownership, same, you know, same management, if you will, right? Uh, monsoon is going to be very similar to what they wanted to do the first time. They'll be a lot more cautious this time. Um, and then we have, um, I would say, I don't know, three, maybe another three that are coming in that we haven't announced yet. And um, so we'll announce those uh, in due time. We're, we're actually having, uh, Nisa Nation is having their national championship match in the first weekend in December. And so we're, we're, uh, we're having an AGM, a NISA AGM around that. And um, so just a plug for NISA Nation real quick. Um, you know, they're the only, we've been able to put together the only amateur system in this country that is multi-tiered through multiple leagues that ends up with a professional team on top. You're going to see at some point down the road in the open system, you would love to see Pro-Rel, that's hard to do in this country because of the requirements by U.S. soccer. But you could see where the championship match, when this is the national championship match, 120 teams competing for this. And that champion, you could see that someday. Maybe they graduate up, right? Um, but not today. But anyway, so what we're doing is we're doing a, a, um, uh, an AGM around that uh, that weekend. And uh, it's going to be in Irvine, California, and the championship match will be in Championship Stadium. And we will, um, and, and the board will make some final decisions on uh, um, um, how, you know, the format that we're going to compete in and uh, the schedule. So we're hoping that, you know, sometime by the first of the year, then have our schedules out. So we'll see. Well, that would be something different for sure compared to what we've seen the yeah, last couple of years. Oh, but... my God. <laughs> last year was, I was just, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, John, I was just curious on what resources, I know you had to help some clubs get through, like Gold Star and Club Leon this year, but I was curious about not just clubs that are struggling, but the clubs are even doing well. Like, I know the people have always talked about the schedule or why it's so long or some of the teams that have same issues. But I was curious from the league's perspective, what resources does the league provide to clubs in regards to working with clubs on building relationships with local officials, like in their local, in their home markets and making sure those clubs are in good stadium venue situations? Yeah, so venues are a big issue in this country, whether it's youth soccer or professional soccer. It's a huge issue. At our AGM, we're going to be talking about, uh, and we've been talking about it, but it's going to become more of an effort on stadium development. Um, we have a, um, a code word internally called barnstorming, where we deal with city officials around the country in dealing with and asking, trying to get them involved and engaged in stadium development and, and bringing professional soccer uh, into their community. I think it's, um, we also do, um, we, this AGM, we're going to do best of class in, in operations, uh, classroom or sponsorships or uh, revenue generation or community relations. Um, so we, we are, as the league matures, we're doing more and more to help our clubs out. 
With Nisa Nation returning this year, after they didn't play last fall, and right. people weren't sure what was going to happen, but earlier this year you guys announced they were back, and you announced that Matt Morse was kind of running the show, and then Dennis Pope was helping him, assisting him with the communication side. So, John, can you just talk about the impact that Matt and Dennis have done to get Nisa Nation back on track? Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, there's a there's a small staff there of five people that set it up by Matt. Matt's done an amazing job of just calming everything, right? I think it was um, uh, some drama uh, last fall. Um, we needed to make some changes, um, so we did. And, and Matt's done an amazing job of, you know, when you look at the affiliations, we have seven affiliates now that we work with. And uh, EPSL being probably the biggest, but and they make up this group uh, that are competing for this competition, and so that was a, that was something that we'd been wanting to do. But Matt came on, took the bit, and ran with it. Matt's done an amazing job. It, don't get me wrong, Nissan Nation's not where we needed to be or wanted to be, but it's a we're making great strides and Matt and his team really deserve a lot of credit. And that includes Dennis. Yeah. Exciting stuff with Nisa nation. And I'm certainly looking forward to getting Dennis Pope back on the show later this month to kind of preview that national championship that you guys, that we just spoke yeah. about uh, in early December. I know John Nisa has offered guidance to your new project that you're working on the women's game the Women's Independent Soccer League, or a.k.a. Whistle. Uh, What are your thoughts on this project as they have recently applied for D2 sanction with U.S. soccer? Yeah, I am. Yeah, I'm um, I'm really involved, actually. Um, And so I think you're going to see a a number of announcements coming up. Um, We did put in our application for fall uh, 24 start. Uh, the format, competition format, will be decided uh, in um, at the AGM. Uh, some major announcements will be coming out after that on management and uh, those types of things. Um, I think we've taken our time to try and focus on the culture and in what was wrong, you know, before. In I'm not going to say in with NWSL, but that's where it was. You know, there's a lot of focus on what was wrong there with the the, the players and the coaches and et cetera. And so culture and education were front and foremost when we decided to put this thing together and continues to be. And so uh, we are um, big believers in player safety. Uh, you're going to see that more and more, I think, throughout the U.S. soccer, but also but specifically with Whistle and Nisa. And I think it's it's um, we'll probably start next fall with some type of tournament, um, and uh, to get it going, and then the following year go into more of a full season. But um, really excited about it. We're getting a lot of very positive feedback in the marketplace um, about it. I think a lot of our men's clubs will also have uh, women's clubs. Um, so I think that's a, that's exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in what we're doing there. Yeah, and that's great to hear. And you talked about, I know in the press today, I talked about the possibility of current NISA clubs and maybe new ones having both, well, they have, they have the men's teams, but getting adding a women's team to that element, yep. which is good. And we've seen that in other 
U.S. Soccer League with USL Championship yeah. and USL League One. Uh, North Carolina FC, that's one I can think because they have the men's team. In, well, they're in USL League One. They just won a championship. They're going to be in USL Championship or going back to USL Championship, I should say, next right. year. And then, but they have the North Carolina Courage. Um, and I know Nisa, the only ones I was aware of, I know when Bay Cities was in the league last year, they had a women's component, but at a different, they were in the, the UWS. Um, right. I know Chattanooga, they've had, they've, they've had for a long time their women's team. And I know the Michigan Stars had one. And I know um, Flower City, they just started one this year, Flower City 1872. So, right. and I believe LA Force is working on one too, from what I've heard. But yeah, you know, that's getting more involved in the women's game. That's, that's good for the game overall. It is, it is. And I think it's, um, and, you know, as people get to understand, you know, the, this whole thing, um, Alexa, um, who works at Whistle, uh, put together a committee on culture and education. And it's kind of the who's who out there of, of, of women that are tr- involved in sports trying to make a, a change and make a difference. And so, uh, you know, we're very excited about that. Um, they'll be making a presentation at the AGM. And I think it's 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 going to be great for the game. It's um, I, I think it's and it's long overdue that there um, that we do this the right way for the women. All right, John, we got a couple more things to hit before we wrap up the interview for this episode. But as we close out the 2023 NISA season, what lessons have you learned over the the 2023 season? Yeah, not to talk to bloggers. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, I think I think Josh. I think uh, the biggest lessons this year have been, um, and we knew it going in, um, but it was reiterated a lot during the season. We need to go to more regional play. Um, we we need we need to allow our clubs to grow and develop without having that constant pressure of of travel. I mean, the, the amount of dollars that are being spent in the air uh, by us is, is ridiculous. And, and, and so that, that's one of the things that we knew, but we really know it now. So uh, we're going to try and fix that going forward. I think the other thing is, um, and, and we're, we're trying to make some adjustments here, but we need some of our clubs um, are pretty good at um, community relations and in um, in revenue generations, others aren't, and so we've got to do more to do that. The other side of it is um, we have to do a better job on, and we are going to. You'll see an announcement coming up on the media side. Um, we need to. We need. Um, we need a better media deal and um, platform. So, and we're working on that. Yeah, John. Just to follow up on that, because we saw. 11 Sports was who you've been for for a while. It was Mike Kuju back when I was working with Child House when we were in Eastern 2021, before I went to 11 Sports. Of course, that folded in the middle of the season, and you guys got your games with FIFA Plus. So, and I know a while, a couple of years back, you had a match of the week with BN Sports and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But as you know, television is, with soccer is changing, you know, MLS, they've gone behind, behind the paywall with Apple Plus. And then USL, they just announced that they're going to be part go, going with uh, CBS. And right. we've seen all the soccer stuff. They've been grabbing all the leagues. And I've been watching, you know, Morning Footy and, 
you know, some of their shows. Of course, follow the Champions League, and they've done a really great job of that. I know there's ESPN Plus. They're still out there doing their stuff, too. So, yeah, you mentioned about trying to get a better media deal. Just, you know, just out of curiosity, is there anything you're specifically looking for, like streaming or, you know, getting uh, like a paywall, like a subscription thing, or what, what kind yeah. of avenues you guys are looking at? Yeah, so um, a couple of years ago when we did the BN deal, um, that was a, it was a, an experiment by us. We wanted to see how we could do uh, compared to La Liga that they had here and League One and a couple other properties that they had. And so we did that and um, we were extremely pleased with how we compared relative to um, uh, you know people watching the matches, how long they were watching. Uh, the demographics, we were very pleased. So we decided to take last year and and this year to, to really kind of say, okay, what are the pieces that we need to do and, and how are we going to get this done? So I think in the future, we're, we're going to have, we're going to continue to stream. Um, and, um, and because that is important, uh, it's to us as well as to the viewer. But we are also um, negotiating a linear deal. And so I think um, we'll see how it shakes out. But I'm, I'm pleased with our staff and how far we've gotten this past year on what we're trying to get done there on the media side. And I know you also mentioned about trying to focus on going more regional for the future seasons in NISA. I know when I spoke to Steve Johnson, he had talked about his excitement about we're going to have more teams on the West Coast, and that's more than what we've had since the inception of this league. And I was like, that's great, Steve. But more people are kind of wondering, are we going to get some teams in, like, the middle or Texas or, you know, <laughs> kind of bridge the gap between the East Coast teams and the West Coast teams? Yeah, yeah. so so one of the things that, that you are going to see is that you can, in, in the future is not just regional play but more local rivalries, right? Um, it's important, I think, in an independent system that you have a club that's not too far away from you that you can really challenge, right? And and uh, and so you're going to see that you're going to see you're going to see more and more of that. So we have a big chunk of the country that we haven't gotten to yet. Um, we, I think, we will probably see that happening in 25. I think we have a lot of interest for 25 in the middle part of the country. So but we got to be smart about it and, and do it the right way um, because, um, you know, mistakes are, are costly, not just financially, but they're costly into the reputation, et cetera, of the league. So, John, let's talk about the NISA Independent Cup real quick. I know that's yes. been something you guys have worked on, getting going, and it's had success the past few seasons. Uh, what were just, I just want to get your thoughts on the 2023 edition of the tournament and then uh, what – future plans you can share about for 2024 and beyond? Yeah, so so uh, I think the format that we've been using is, is okay, right? I, I, I think it's, um, um, you know, the, the amateur clubs got to play in a round robin to play against the pro club. We are at the AGM proposing to the board a change in that and in, in how that works. I, if they accept it, I think everybody's going to find it a lot more exciting. Um, we need, and, and, and as we grow as the league, the way we were doing it requires more and more and more amateur clubs 
And sometimes those amateur clubs are um, um, a challenge. They're just not where we want them to be, right? Because we want clubs playing in this that are have that aspiration to go pro, right? And so um, I, I think you're going to find if the board accepts the new format, it's going to be very exciting for everybody. All right, John, let's just talk about for my last question to kind of wrap up the interview is about, you know, the championship final. Just your thoughts on how the playoffs have played out, you know, a lot of drama. Yeah. I know usually there's six teams getting in. I'm not sure if, of course, I'm sure it will depend on how many teams will be in the league next year and beyond, but I would imagine that might change down the road. But just your thoughts on how the playoffs have turned out, and then, you know, you're going to be there on Saturday. You see two teams yeah. go at it for a, a, tr a trophy. Yeah, I think, I think um, you know, we'll see what the board decides relative to next year and the playoff structure and how, how they want it to work. Um, and, and as you know, because we are independent clubs and independent league, they have a big voice in, in format and how, how it's structured. Sometimes um, we all regret decisions that are made, but then we have a chance to correct them later. So I think um, this game itself, um, I am... Uh, I'm not going to make any predictions other than I think it's going to be a very close game. And I, it would not surprise me if it goes into extra overtime or even penalties. I, I think uh, they're two completely different styles, but that's what makes it fun. So, Yeah, yeah, John, I think that's going to be great, especially two teams, you mentioned two different styles of play, but also, you know, Michigan Stars, you know, try and go for a second consecutive title which in this league's history, brief history, you know, Detroit City's the only other team that in this league that's done that. And, of course, Flower City Union, the team that finished in last place last year, but this year has a chance to win a trophy. Who would have thought of that? I know. It's exciting, actually. I'll tell you, I uh, and I, I don't think anybody predicted that, not even the owner. I, I think I think he was he was shocked or is shocked and, but he's done in, in his name's Jimmy. Jimmy's done a, a great job with that club. Uh, the, um, the, 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 the community loves him. He's originally from Rochester. Um, the staff and players really appreciate who he is and what he's all about. And so uh, these re, you know, him making it to this match in the championship is, is very rewarding for him and it should be because of the pain that they all went through last year and, and uh, being at the bottom of the, the, the table. All right. And that is the NISA commissioner, John Pruch, joining us today on the NISA Today FC podcast. John, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to chat with us about all things NISA. And uh, I'll see you there on Saturday. Say hello. And uh, with that, you know, enjoy a great game on Saturday. Will do. I look forward to seeing you, Josh. Take care. And that will conclude this edition of the Needs Today FC podcast. If you guys have any comments, feedback, or suggestions, you can send me a direct message on X. My handle is at JT underscore Taylor 88. And if you like the show and want to keep up with all the latest updates, you can follow us on our social media handles. We're on Facebook at Needs Today FC, Instagram at Nisa underscore Today FC, X at Nisa underscore today FC and on threads 
at Nisa underscore today FC at threads.net. You guys enjoy the championship match in Michigan this weekend. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next time.